Cabomania. Woo! <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 135. That's right, episode 135 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Let me know how you feel about the show right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating as well. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. I'd greatly appreciate it. Today's show, Christian Winfield joins in. Christian is a reporter who covers the Nets and NBA for the New York Daily News. Follow Christian on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Splashed. That's K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Christian Winfield of the Daily News. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Uh, I got caught in the rain earlier today, so that was kind of annoying. But uh, other than that, doing pretty all right, man. How about yourself? How's everything going? I'm doing well. I see the rain. It is coming down in New York. Christian covers the Nets for the Daily News. I wanted to know, what's the Daily News role in media in the year 2020, and how much of the paper is actually consumed in print? Uh, that's actually a good question. Um, I, it, for me, you know, and I just started at the Daily News in July, I, I kind of get the sense that there is an urgent shift towards digital. Um, okay. So, like, everybody, you know what I'm saying? I might have a story that runs in the paper, and then I might have a notebook in the paper, but then they might want to turn that notebook if I might have a notebook that's three bullet points long or maybe three points of a par- three paragraphs for each point that I make, they might want me to take each one of those points and turn that into a separate story so that each one of those can be their own little web thing. Um, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, from, from my understanding, the, the, the print side of the paper still generates more revenue than any digital stuff that we do, at least for now. You know, that's part of the reason why they brought myself and, and Bradford, who does, who does baseball, and Charles, who does football, is that we have pretty decent online presences and we they want us to help generate that traffic so uh at this rate i know that they're shifting towards digital but the emphasis is still on the paper we still have i don't know what the stats are but i know we have a huge readership and uh i know that they're not gonna punt that for for online stuff you know okay okay that's very interesting because i'm always just curious in how old media and new media is is meshing together but uh let's shift to kd I saw him playing football in the gym the other day. Uh, Facts. <laughs> give us an update on him, man. How's his leg? How's he moving? Is he getting shots uh, up? Is he playing? What's up with yeah, KD? He's, I, I wouldn't say he's playing. I don't think he's playing any, like, full contact games. I don't think he's playing any, any two-on-twos or three-on-threes or five-on-fives for that matter. Um, when he was running in the gym, that was the first time that we've actually seen him mobile you know before that it was okay he's shooting set jump shots and you know it's, it's kind of fun that I've been able to watch the progression I've seen him go from barely being able to walk uh at, at, at more than what six or seven miles an hour to like now now he's shooting set shots then he's shooting full on jump shots then last time before I saw him running he's shooting turnaround fadeaway jump shots and if you're getting that much elevation under your shot 
it's like, okay, well, he's coming a long way. And now he's sprinting down the court with a football. Now, is he sprinting 100% speed? I don't know. Uh, mind you, I've never watched him run in full speed before. So it's like, okay, I don't really know how fast he is in real time. But he was moving pretty well. Um, and it doesn't look like he's favoring either leg. So now I think the next step for him is, is being able to, to participate in contact drills, getting out in the five-on-fives, four-on-fours. And then he's got to clear himself. I think last year we saw what happens when you kind of rushed back. And even though he doesn't want to admit that he was rushed back, you know, Kyrie said it on media day. And that's kind of the general consensus that he should not have played in that series. And um, once he gets comfortable enough to really want to put his body out there, uh, I think he'll be ready to go. Whether that's this season or next, I'm not sure yet. You know, I, I would have told you at the beginning of the year, I, I thought that KD was going to sit out the entire year. But having him, you know, I think for me, once I saw him shooting, turnaround, fading jump shots, I was like, okay, that's that's the telltale sign of this guy. He can he can move. He has his angles right. He's got his footing right. He can jump. And then we saw him running not so long ago. I think a return, I wouldn't rule it out for this season. I wouldn't rush him back. Uh, I think, you know, what we're learning about the Nets is that they are they're catering to their superstars. We saw Kyrie take as much time as he needed to to, to get healthy over his shoulder injury, and KD has a far more significant injury. So uh, however long he feels he needs to sit out is how long he's going to be out. Um, I'm cool with him sitting out the entire year. I'm cool with him coming back early if he wants to. I think if he does come back, the rest of the East is going to be a little shook because it's like, wait a second, we only really have to deal with Giannis. Now we've got Kyrie and KD on the same team. How's that going to work out? Um, but I think I think the general consensus is once KD feels ready and once he, he clears all the milestones and all the checkpoints, he'll be back. Christian, are you of the belief that if KD was just healthy this whole time, he would even be in, he would even be with the Nets right now? That's a tough question. I'm not sure. Um, I, obviously, all signs pointed to them, to Kyrie and KD teaming up and going to New York before all the Brooklyn chatter happened. But I mean, end of the day, chatter is chatter, and we've heard Kevin Durant say, "Hey, I mean." It's tough to read through what guys are going to say. You know, like KD said on a podcast, I think yesterday, that he was never really going to New York. And that was something that fans made up that he didn't really have a chance to, to really process. He didn't really give them that much thought. I find that hard to believe that he was going to choose the Nets. over. But, but at the same time, like, the Knicks have just been such a dysfunctional franchise. Like, why would you want to go join something like that? And the answer is, hey, because they're in New York City. That is the... The, the mecca of basketball. But when you think about it, Brooklyn is New York City as well. And they have a, a product that they have built over the years, you know, and uh, the Knicks do not. They do not have a product they've built over the years. They've had just the same thing. And, and credit to New York this year for, for finally getting Steve Mills up out of there. I hope they turn it around fast. Um, do I think he would have signed? Part of me does believe he wouldn't, that the two of them would have signed with the Knicks. Uh, this summer, if, or last summer, if if they were both healthy, but it, it it doesn't really make any sense to play these if ifs if these if games, you know. Like at the right. end of the day, KD is a net, and the Knicks did not get either KD nor Kyrie. Um, and whatever way, every, everyone's gonna try to spin something some way. Everyone's gonna try to read into anybody's words. Um, KD said yesterday he wasn't really considering the Knicks like that at all. Um, I, I guess I kind of want to take him for his word on it, but at the end of the day, I don't think you go to a big city uh, if you're healthy. And go to the to the less because I mean call a spade a spade. The Nets are the lesser franchise in New York City. The Knicks have been here for a longer time, won championship. They've they're the storied franchise. So I, I get where everybody's coming from. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a net. And uh if he didn't get injured, this is a whole different story. Right. You mentioned Kyrie. I actually was watching that game where he took that fall. It looked pretty bad. Um and then right it away, did. yeah, it looked bad. Uh, I'm a guy who, who's been through knee injuries during my career, so I know how it is. I know how, like, the MRI process and then right. how they give you kind of like a manual test in the back. So right. has Kyrie got his MRI yet? And uh, just what's the update on him? 
he's gotten his MRI. He's not traveling with the Nets. Uh, we were talking to Kenny Atkins earlier today. He won't travel for that road trip out to Toronto today. Uh, he's probably going to take it easy. In my estimation, I think he's going to sit out until after the All-Star break. It doesn't really make sense for him to come back. That thing, it, it was a really scary injury. I think he got off yeah. real easy with a, with a knee sprain. And I've never really sprained my knee, so I don't really know what that feels like. But it looked like the worst could have happened. Just the fact that he got up and walked off the court under his own power is fine. Um, at this point, we know what the Nets are and what they aren't. Um, whether whether Kyrie is healthy or not, this team, this team is going to compete. But they're probably looking at a first-round exit, and I don't think you want to risk any type of further injury just because you want to get Kyrie out there. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to sit out until after the All-Star break, come back, and then uh, and then start cooking. Um, as far as the question you, you were asking, he did. I mean, he did undergo an MRI. I don't think there was any structural damage or anything like that. He just had a sprain, um, and that's a blessing because the way you saw the injury, I saw it too. It looked ugly. Uh, yeah. Once it happened, I was like, oh man, this could be really bad. But uh, he's good for now. Well, that's great news for Brooklyn. Uh, obviously, when you're watching a player on TV, it's a little bit different than watching them up close and personal. So what have you learned about Kyrie's game? Because I feel like, and I've always said this about Man. Kyrie, there might be better scorers in the history of the league than Kyrie, but there's not too many guys who could score in as many ways as Kyrie. Um, no. It, it, it's, like, it's like he has so many options when he has the basketball in his hands that like it must get boring for him almost. When he's in the lane, he can really do whatever he wants. He can play off the ball as well. Um, what have you learned about Kyrie's game just seeing him up close and in person? He changes the energy in an arena. I'd say that's the first thing I learned. Just like having had him at the beginning of the year and then for him to go out with the shoulder injury and then for him to come back and then score however many points was that. Uh, was it 50 points he got again? It's just ridiculous the way he's able to go about the way he scores. And then for him to be out, um, I think it was when, – when was I at Barclays last? The last game was at Barclays, and my memory is obviously running away from me now. But the energy in the building just felt completely different. And mind you, obviously, fans are coming out for Kyrie. They're not coming out for – I mean, they do – diehard Nets fans are coming out for Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, but Kyrie Irving himself is a draw. He's box office. Yes. That's what Stephen A. would say. He's box office. And you feel the difference in an arena when he's there. It just feels more electric. It feels like fans are kind of like they're waiting for a big play to happen. And uh, that's 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 the immediate feel. That's the immediate thing that you you experience when you when you're watching Kyrie in person. Other than that, you just don't know when he's ready to erupt for for a forty or fifty point game. I've seen him two times go for more than fifty, and it's just been amazing. He you already touched on. He can score in so many different ways. Uh, the the moves he has to add in his in his bag just to put somebody on their behind is kind of ridiculous. And I've never seen anything like it. I don't think I've watched somebody have that type of explosive offensive firepower. Even James Harden. James Harden is, is crafty, but I don't. he's not nearly as explosive, I would say, as Kyrie Irving can be. And if I had to pick somebody in a one-on-one, I'd take Kyrie over Harden every day. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's just been a roller coaster ride of, of, a, of a season to watch because then there's on the flip side of that is if Kyrie goes cold, he, you're looking at, at a guy who's shooting 20 shots and is only making seven. Then it's like, okay, maybe not even so. Maybe he's making six. I think he's got a couple six and 19 games this year. So you kind of see both sides of the same coin. But uh, this guy's a draw. He's, 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 he's showtime. It's, it's, it's been a, a – I wouldn't say it's a culture shock, but it's definitely been a shift at Barclays having a star of that, of that magnitude there on a nightly basis. Yeah, you know, him and Dimwitty, uh, to contrary belief, I believe they fit quite well because Kyrie, obviously, he likes the ball in his hands, but he's had plenty of experience playing off the ball. We saw it in uh, Cleveland with LeBron. Uh, he could do it. He could get it done. How's their chemistry between him and Dimwitty? The thing, the interesting thing about them too is that we know what Kyrie can do, but Spencer is a guy who can play so many different roles. You know, he's he can be an off-the-ball guy. He can be a scorer. He can be a spot-up shooter. He's 
arguably one of the Nets' better perimeter defenders at this point just because of how long his arms are and how athletic he is. Um, he is – I wouldn't say he's like a perfect fit next to Kyrie, but he embraces whatever role has been given to him. When Kyrie's out, he steps out and he's the starting point guard. When he's not out, he's either the guy that's going to set up the offense and find Kyrie or he's going to be a spot-up shooter in a corner. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. And that's what's really been working for them. And that's really what the experiment this season has been for these Nets because everybody knows this – Kyrie and KD, they signed a four-year deal. Um, we don't know how year four is going to go. That's a player option. Both of those guys can opt out and and enter free agency. They can go to Miami, L.A., wherever they want to. So the Nets really have a two-year window, not counting this. They have next year and the year after. This year is really an audition. This year, this year is really saying, okay, who are the guys that we want for the next two years that can give us the best chance at winning a championship? I think Spencer Dinwiddie fits that bill as the guy who can come off the bench. We've seen Kyrie is not durable. That's his one. I guess that's his Achilles heel. He, he cannot play. He cannot give you 82 games in a season. He could barely give you 65, right? So at this point, you need a guy who's going to be able to support him when he's on the bench. You need a guy who's going to be able to play with him and a guy who's going to be able to fill in when he needs those breaks. And Spencer Dinwiddie has done that job perfectly. So uh, I, I wasn't surprised when Dinwiddie didn't get traded at the deadline. And you know, I thought it would have been foolish for the Nets. Like, if you swap Dinwiddie for Kyle Kuzma, then you're really running around without a point guard. You've got Karis Levert running the point. And, that, and granted, Karras is, a, is a, a capable playmaker, but his point guard experience is really limited. Um, getting back to your question, though, I, I think it's been a great fit. I think these guys have kind of had to figure each other out. Um, but they're both two really, really smart basketball players, and they both want to win. And when you put that together, uh, you've got two guys that are just going to figure out a way to make it work. And so far, they've done that. Yeah, Car- you know, in this league, I feel that there's guys who are undeniable all-stars, and then there's guys who could kind of sneak in. Mm. I don't know where Karras lands yet, but I'm not sure this is the ideal situation for him to become an all-star with this team. Um, he could obviously help a team win a championship, which is great. How good of a situation do you feel this is for Karras? Just being on the Nets, KD coming back, Kyrie will be healthy eventually. Where does Karras fit and what kind of situation do you feel this is for Karras? And this is a learning situation for Karras because, you could, like, like I just said, you know, this is a three-year window for Kyrie and KD. Right now, if the Nets are going to extend and sign K- KD and Kyrie for another five years after that, then you got to get Karras about here, right? He's got to be somewhere where he can have full reign of the offense. I think this is an opportunity for Karras to learn from two of the best players in the NBA, arguably two of the best to ever do it in KD and Kyrie. Um, and then it's a, it's a chance for him to understand what exactly his role is. Right now, he's playing that backup point guard role. He's playing that offensive facilitator, playmaker role. And to be honest, it, it's an irregular fit. You've got Kyrie, who needs to have the ball in his hands more yeah. often than not. Other than that, you've also got Spencer, who, you know, Spencer can play a bunch of different roles, but he's best suited with the ball in his hands. And Karras is also best suited with, best with the ball in his hands. And once Kevin Durant comes back, he's going to want the ball in his hands too. And now you've got four guys. The Nets kind of have an interesting situation. They've almost got two different starting lineups that they can go with. Because you can have a starting lineup with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karras LeVert, and then you can also have a starting lineup with, with Kyrie and KD. And then they've got enough role guys to fit around in them where they've got two different starting lineups. So I don't think you get Karras out of there, especially since you've already got him under contract. Um, I think they've got a couple other things they need to work out. Like, I like Torian Prince. I think he's got to figure out his role a little bit at that four spot. That four spot has really been an issue for the Nets, and I don't think you put KD at the four uh, coming off of an Achilles. I think you rest him there at that three. So they've kind of got to figure some of those things out. Karras is a star. He needs to be a little bit more consistent. Um, he's not at that all-star level yet. Um, I think if he was given a different opportunity, like maybe if you – He was trending just, He was trending towards that at one point, though, right? Like, yeah, last year before he got yeah. hurt, before the foot injury, he was trending towards that. Came back, and he had a really good – he was the best player on the Nets in the entire playoffs. This right. year comes back, Kyrie comes in, 
and now everybody's trying to figure out where they fit in around him. I think, you know, I think a good situation for Karras would be, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the Nets send him to Minnesota. Now he's back with D'Angelo. He's the second playmaker next to D'Angelo with Carl and Anthony Towns. That's a good situation for him. Um, but I think it's not to say the situation for Karras right now is a bad one. This is a situation where, A, he's going to be learning, and, B, these guys are going to need as many other playmakers as possible in instances where, A, Kyrie gets hurt, or you got to take some pressure off of those guys. So I don't think it's a bad fit for him. It's just no one's been healthy, man. Kyrie comes in, plays, what, 20? How many games did he play? 20-something games this year? Not very many. KD's been out. He's going to come in. Karras has been out. And the Nets have been playing this game of musical chairs almost, and no one has been able to sit in the chairs on a consistent basis. So once this team gets healthy, I think we can really figure it out. And um, that's, that's kind of what everyone's been waiting for. It's been a waiting game. You know, we, Kyrie gets hurt. He starts the season off with a, with a, a face fracture, comes in, plays a few games, hurts his shoulder, comes back, hurts his knee. Karras hurts his 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 whole – man, it's just – it's been a lot. But I think they're going to they're gonna figure they – ha- they have no choice but to figure it out because once summertime comes in, they're going to start wheeling and dealing. That's when you really figure out who's going to stick around for, for the show and, and who's elsewhere. Right. Let's shift to the Knicks. Um, when I've watched the Knicks play <laughs> – when I watched the Knicks play this year, and we'll get to Leon Rose in a second, but when I've watched mm. the Knicks play this year, I've always felt the two players that can help a really good team or a championship team or even a rebuilding team is Reggie Bullock and Mitchell Robinson. I was a little bit surprised by the Clippers uh, getting Marcus Morris. What do you feel about that, and how do you feel he'll fit with the Clippers? I think he'll fit well with the Clippers. I think that was equal parts Clippers understand they could always add the, add to their depth and then also equal parts keeping Marcus Morris away from the Lakers uh, because if the Lakers would have actually tried and I think it would have been amazing if the Knicks were able to get Kyle Kuzma and maybe some type of draft compensation but the, the, the salaries didn't work out um, if, the, if the Lakers would have been willing to do that type of trade because the Call it what it is. Kuzma has not shown that he is able to take that next step. We've seen flashes of it. But he hasn't done it on a consistent basis yet. And this is also like a Karis LeVert thing. What's his fit? You know, we don't know where Kuzma fits alongside LeBron and AD because he hasn't shown himself to be able to fit in a certain role yet. So I think that Marcus Morris would have been a great guy for the Lakers to go get because they need that extra perimeter scorer slash enforcer type out in the front court. And here come the Clippers. The Clippers, I mean, if you just look at the type of team they have, they've got a bunch of guys who are tough, who play both ends of the floor, and Marcus Morris is that type of guy. And he can go out there and get you 30 on any night. Like, the, the Clippers have, have so much firepower, and it's not just Paul George. It's not just Kawhi Leonard. Of course, they got Lou Williams. They got Montrez Harrell. Landry Shamus, the guy who can explode and get you 20 just by shooting spot-up threes. And now you add Marcus Morris in there. They, they've got as deep a team as, as anybody in the league. And then they've got two – of maybe the the they've got two of the best two way stars in the league, and then on top of that, you just look at everything else they've got. You know, I think the the West Conference Finals is going to be something something really serious. And if I had to put money on a team right now, I, at first I would have had at the beginning of the season I would have said the Lakers were going all the way, but the way the Clippers are playing and this addition they just made, man, it's going to be tough. I might be leaning towards the Clippers now. Or it could be Houston's lean into analytics, going with the six five center. <laughs> <laughs> what a transition! Oh man. Did you watch that? that was I did. Sad. Watch Yo, that was that was the most interesting game you could possibly yeah. get after that trade. Just watching a team with like three or four bigs versus a team who just has all three and D or or like ISO scores. It was crazy. Yeah, it was an experiment playing out right in front of our eyes. Like, I've never seen anything. I've never seen a team not play a center that has active centers. And the, and, the, and the Rockets still have centers. They're not. They might not be good. They do have athletic big men. They just chose not to play them. They got P.J. Tucker running the center. I thought the Lakers were going to go in there and bully them. You got LeBron, Anthony Davis, 
Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, y'all should have 75 rebounds by the end of the game. No, they barely – I don't even think they – I think they got out-rebounded by one or they out – I know the margin of rebound – the rebounding margin was only one, which is unex, which, that's inexcusable when you've got four – when you've got all these big men. But, I mean – Credit to Houston. They, they doubled down on what makes them them, which is shooting threes, yes. attacking the paint, and spreading the defense out. They did that. I thought Robert Covington had a great game. I thought he was a great pickup. But for them to not have a center at all, what are they going to do against a team like, I don't know, Utah? Rudy Gobert is going to get all, every possible rebound. and that's Who's, that who's Rudy going to guard, though? That's the thing. That is the thing. That's where things get tricky because he's not going to sit out there and check P.J. Tucker at the perimeter. Right, Westbrook, maybe. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Yeah, that might be it because that might, that might be what it has to be. Maybe the centers have to guard Westbrook because he's not going to shoot a three. And if he blows by, you might be able to recover quick enough to block him at the rim. But Westbrook's game, his mid-range game is just that good to where if he even fakes out when he's – the Rockets are doing something interesting. And, you know, it's, it's not something I've seen before. I was kind of confused watching it happen in real time. But they got the win. You know, and that's what matters. Do I think it's going to work in the playoffs? Absolutely not. I think they're going to get – I wouldn't say blown. I, they'll probably make it to the second round, and they're going to have to face the Lakers or the Clippers in a seven-game series, and it's not going to work out. But, I mean, at this point in their life cycle, you have to try something because, obviously, doing what they have been doing this entire time is getting them is getting them near the mountaintop, but it's not enough to get them to the top, let alone over the top. So uh, I credit them for trying to do something innovative and try to double down on what they do have. But I think at the end of the day, um, they're going to need a big man. And that's going to be they're going to they're going to shoot too many threes just like they did not too long ago. And I think it's going to all go down. Yeah, it was a good move because they weren't going to win the other way. So you might as well. <laughs> no, not at all. They were not. And yeah. credit them. They got out from under Capella's contract. Uh, obviously, he's, they, they, they credited they, they committed some money to him. And uh, it I wouldn't say it wasn't working out, but we, we understand that at this team right now, they need to be shooting threes and they need to reallocate that money to someone who's going to help them spread the flow out a little more. So, uh, credit to them for going after it. I don't think it'll work, but you have to try. And at the very least, they are, they're going for it. And that's what you have to do. You've got James Harden on your team. You've got Russell Westbrook. Their championship window is right now, and they're only going to get worse as the years go on. So, got to double down. And I can't be mad at them for doing that. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard Nash speak on podcasts that they wish they doubled down back when it was him and Amari. Really? Wish- yeah, shot more threes. So I guess Dan Tony won't he won't uh, make that mistake twice. You know, nah, he is not. He, is, he will not at all. <laughs> all right. So what does a Leon Rose hiring mean for the New York Knicks, in your opinion? Uh, so I have never had the opportunity to meet Leon Rose. You know, it's not somebody that I've ever I've ever had a conversation with. I've heard great things about him. Obviously, he's a player agent. Um, CAA is great. I think that. Um, this is just a, a chance for the Knicks to kind of try to turn things around. But if you think about it, how have agents who ran NBA franchise affairs in the past, you could argue Rob Palenka has that job right now. He's Lakers doing pretty well. well he did well this year. He did well, but I mean, LeBron did well. We can call it spade a spade. LeBron right. was going to LA and he was bringing Anthony Davis with him. And to be honest, I wrote a story at the beginning of the year. Once the Lakers signed Anthony Davis, I said, hey, these are the players the Lakers should sign. They signed most of the players that I had written down, right? That's not to say they're reading my work. That's just to say, hey, it doesn't take a genius to put these players around LeBron James. And now they read your work, Christian. They read your work. I man. would hope so. Maybe, maybe if they are reading <laughs> my work and listening to this podcast, hey, come holler at me. But like, you know, it doesn't. You don't have to be a genius to put these guys around them. And at that point, all the free agents were already off the market anyway, right? About eighty percent of people who were signed were off the market. So I, I say all that to say I like Rob Palenka. I think he's done a, an okay job, but I'm not ready to crown him the king of L.A just because he's got a championship team around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I was able to put something similar to what he did together in, in about 50 minutes or so, right? 
So I don't know if the being an agent side is going to help Leon Rose in terms of actual team construction and roster construction. I think that remains to be seen. I do think it'll help with relationships. I do think it'll help with changing the perception of this Knicks team, especially among players, because what you don't want is guys telling you not to go to New York, and that's what Porzingis was doing. Porzingis was texting guys on his way out, like, hey, stay away from here. And we saw I don't know if that word got to KD, but Kyrie and KD didn't come here. And I think that's what the Knicks need to be swinging for. I, I am of the belief that they need to just take the long road. They have seven draft picks, over, seven first-round picks over the next four years. Get those picks, hit on at least three of them, and develop those guys. But the Knicks haven't proven to be able to develop anybody. Kevin Knox is still Kevin Knox. Mitchell Robinson, he, I love Mitchell Robinson. He's still Mitchell Robinson. He's maybe taking a slight stride. Frank Nilekina, the biggest stride he took was this offseason because he played for the French national team. I don't think that was anything the Knicks had to do with it. I think a lot of guys, I think the Knicks need to do a better job of developing their players, and they haven't shown a capability to do so. So am I excited about seven draft picks over the next four years? Yes, but they need to have a new coach. They need to have a new system in place. And guys talk highly about Leon Rose and the way he's able to, to connect with not just players, but with everybody in the NBA community. And if he's able to do that and really just change the perception of this Knicks team, then, then I'm all for it. You know, I think it remains to be seen. We haven't seen, we haven't heard from him yet. We need to see him at a press conference. We need to pick his brain that way. But it looks like at the very least, the Knicks are trying. So I think just overall getting from underneath Steve Mills is a good move. Now it's just, okay, I like Scott Perry. I thought Scott Perry was doing a great job before he came here. I think he got tied to some of Steve Mills' decisions, and I'm glad that they separated the two. My biggest fear was they were going to fire both Perry and Mills. They were going to lump them together. They didn't do that. They fired Perry. No, they fired Mills, kept Perry, and now they're bringing in Leon Rose, hopefully. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. If, if he is able to help change, they're just supposed to be rebranding the Knicks to make them fun. You know, I'm all for it. You know, basketball is just a, so much of a better place when the Knicks are fun, and I haven't seen – a fun, good Knicks team. First, before Carmelo Anthony, I don't really know what – it's been a while since we've seen a consistently good Knicks team, and that's what I hope they can do. And uh, if Leon Rose is able to help do that, then why not? Yeah, the J. Kidd Carmelo team was the last one, right? Yeah, right. That was when Raymond Felton was overweight, still hanging 20 points a game on people. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Wiggins uh, – I, I seen you tweet about Wiggins or reply to a tweet about Wiggins. Uh, you know, Wiggins is super talented, man. It's For just, sure. um, you know, Steve Kerr is saying that he'll be a role player. He was asked to be a star player in his last situation. Um, I just hope that Wiggins will embrace the role, and I think he'll be great as a cutter, as a slasher with Stephen Clay. How do you feel about that move? I think that this is a good move for the Warriors. I think it puts them right back into the championship picture. Because think about it. When yeah. they won 73 games, they had Harrison Barnes as their three, right? And, K and getting KD, we call it what it is. That was overkill. They didn't really need to do that. They just happened to lose, and the, and the CBA spike, well, the cap spike allowed them to go get him. But, I mean, they were good without KD, and adding Andrew Wiggins is better than what they had uh, this year. I don't know. I, I Just looking at the guys that they would have tried to plug that hole with, they tried Glenn Robinson, they tried Alec Burks, they tried a couple of different guys. That's not going to work out. I think Andrew Wiggins is in a perfect situation. He's not going to be able to try to – I guess veer too far from the script because then you're going against Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. You look as long crazy. as he know as long as he knows that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, he doesn't really have any other choice because if you can't make it work in in Oakland, well, not even Oakland, San Francisco now, where you have three probably future Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach, if they can't save you, nobody can. And on top all of right. that, the, the money that that they've married him to, he's he's getting paid all this money. I'm sure they could find some taker somewhere if they were trying to get from under him, but. I think at this point, Andrew Wiggins knows that there is a stigma about him, and I don't even necessarily think it's a stigma. I don't think he's 
and I can't say I don't think he's worked hard enough. I don't think I've spoken to the guy. You know, I, I don't think I, I, I've talked to him once about like food. The Timberwolves did a, like the whole uh, diet and nutrition program this summer. I talked to him a little bit about that, but about his like on court performance. I mean, we've seen the numbers increase every year, but we haven't seen the impact increase every year. And I think we're in a situation right now where for him, he's in a situation where he doesn't have to have that big of an impact, right? This is where Steve Kerr was talking about. You don't have to be a star. You just need to be a role player. And I think there's going to be opportunities for him to take the ball off the dribble every now and again, as long as he, and you know, here's how, how we can liken it to Michael Porter Jr. comes to the Nuggets and the first thing he does is become an absolute demon in those corners. And he's knocking down those corner threes. And because he's knocking down corner threes, the game is expanding for him. Now he can get by his defender because his man doesn't want to give up the corner three. He's running out. And now he's got opportunities at the rim. That's what Anthony and Anthony, that's what Andrew Wiggins needs to do. He needs to be good at knocking down corner threes and defending. And then all the other things that he's become good at just by being a, just by like fire product of being a quote unquote star in a market, that stuff is going to come out. But he's got to be able to do the basics. And that's knock down corner threes and defend. And once he can do that, uh, I think he'll, he'll be in a good spot. I think the Warriors is a really good spot for him. He just has to, I don't, I don't want to say he's hard-headed because I don't really know him, but I think he just needs to focus in on what is being asked of him. And then after that, the world will be his. You never know. He might get the same numbers more efficiently. It might make, right, his, exactly. it might make his life really easy. Exactly. It happened for KD. KD had the same thing, efficient, efficient numbers. He became finals MVP two times on a, on a team with Steph Curry, Clay, Clay Thompson, and, and Draymond Green. Like, the Warriors simplified basketball for him. And he's always – and that's the one thing that KD swears by. He goes, yo, I wanted to go to the Warriors because I wanted to hone my game. I wanted to get better, and I felt like I could do that uh, out in the Warriors. And if that's the case, then Andrew – Wiggins should be able to do the same, right? And right. I hope I don't want to give up on him because he's got so much talent, but he's just been in the league for too long now to be having the same thing heard for, about him over and over again. So this is a, a different opportunity for him, and I, I think it'll work out. Right. And, 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 like, just in general, even watching that, like, you can't force him basketball. Like, with Wiggins, if he's not forcing, if he's just playing his role, he might get similar type numbers. And it's the same thing when I was watching the Lakers versus Houston yesterday. Like, when you play against Houston with these bigger guys, they should just play the same way they always did, not try and force feed the post and right. force things just because they're smaller players as opponents. Right, right, right. I think that I think that's and that just ties back into why the, the Warriors are such a good fit for him because they're going to create that structure and they've got a set offensive system for him to fit into. I think that the man the it, and it's bad because Wiggins gets tied to the Wolves' failure, but the Wolves have been bad since Kevin Garnett left. Right, they made the playoffs just yeah. one time. That was the one time that Jimmy Butler dragged them. The Wolves have been bad long before Andrew Wiggins got there, and I think that this is going to be a breath of fresh air for him. And now we're going to see just how bad the Wolves are because D'Angelo Russell's getting there, right? And if things go wrong with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns there, both of those guys are going to leave. So they don't have any any leeway to be messing around here. They've got to get it together, and so does Andrew Wiggins because the jury thinks it's we we think the jury's out on him. This is a chance for him to prove everybody's wrong. Um, I'm just I'm wondering if Cat is pleased with all these uh, trade deadline transactions because he lost Covington, but he got a good player in D. Russell. That's his. That's his boy. He met him. Uh, I believe he met him at the at the airport, or I think D'Angelo was on like a private plane, and he met him uh, right at the airport and brought him a custom Wolves uh, okay. D'Angelo Russell jersey. Those are those are good friends. They 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 love each other, man. Okay, I, think, so I think the pairing is gonna work. It's just is Ryan Saunders the right head coach? Is 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 management correct? Is everything going on in Minnesota? the right setting to keep these guys because this, this team is supposed to be better than they are right now. Right. This, this, this experiment was not supposed to have gone south. They have a competent roster. It's just like, what is going on? 
and uh, now they're shaking things up. But you can only shake things up on the roster so much so often before you start looking at things outside of it. So uh, I think the pressure now is on management uh, and, and the coaching staff to start getting some wins because you need to see it. It has to, it has to change around because this team has been bad for entirely too long. Yeah, and if you look at the numbers, if you look at Cat's shooting numbers, he's one of the better big man three-point shooters ever, if you look into the yeah. numbers. Yeah, he, he's – and <laughs> so the, at the beginning of the year, the very first game of the Nets season was against a Brazilian team, and they had a stretch five, right? They had a guy, and the Nets were like, man, we really don't really see stretch fives that often, so hopefully he doesn't pose that many issues. That stretch five, I believe, hit five threes against us. Like he hit five out of like eight threes. And then that's like, oh, okay, uh, you know, yes, it happens. Uh, we, don't, we don't really see those stretch fives that often, so hopefully we don't have to deal with that in, in the season. And then Cat comes. I don't believe it was the season opener. I think it was one of the first five games of the year that, that the Nets played uh, Minnesota. And he came and absolutely tore the Nets up from every level, from, from hitting threes to dominating on the glass, hitting the mid-range fadeaways. The Cat can do it all. He, he's, he's a star. And that's why the Timberwolves need to make it work because if they can't make this work, they're not going to be able to make anything work. They drafted these guys, right? Except, oh, not D'Angelo. They drafted Cat. They drafted Wiggins and they messed it up. You can't mess Cat up because they're trying to – Cat and, and D'Lo want to bring D'Angelo – D'Angelo. They want, they want to bring Devin Booker along with them. They want that trifecta to be there in Minnesota. And if Minnesota can't find a way to look competent and get this team to the playoffs, the Wolves need to be better than the Suns over the next three years. And if they're not, something is going terribly wrong. And um, that's, that's really what it, what it boils down to because they need to pry Devin Booker away from Phoenix. And if they can't do that because they look terrible with those two guys, then all three of them – well, not all three of them. If I, if I was betting my money – and the Wolves are not in the playoff picture in one of, in at least one season of the next three years, those guys are out of there. Why would you stick around if you can't make the playoffs and you've got two young stars on your team? Yes, the West is tough, but, like, those guys are talented. Those two are on their own. You add one more little piece in there. I don't know who that piece is yet. You add one, one more guy in there. That's a, a filler until Devin Booker is, is – Devin Booker's not a free agent for a little while. I don't know how they're going to do that, but they've got to figure that out. I think the Wolves have the pieces. They've got the tools. They just need to put it together. And uh, I, I don't want to say I have full faith that they will because they haven't shown me anything over the last 16 years. But um, I do think that they'll get it done. So we'll see. That's an interesting match because Devin Booker and D. Russell could both play on the ball. They could both play off the ball. And with exactly. that's three-point shooting, that's like, damn, that's exactly. a crazy trio. Whoa. Then all you need is a couple, a couple forwards who could defend and switch on, on, on For sure. defense and hit some threes. And now you've got a real team. So. That's For the sure. blueprint. That should be what they're following. Uh, now it's just a matter of can they get some wins over the next couple of years. Right. Christian, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, I'm on all social media. Well, I don't know all. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Um, both of those. I guess those are the big. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Blash. That's K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. Uh, you can read my work in the New York Daily News. I generally have something every day. And then uh, online at nydailynews.com slash sports. You'll find me there. Thanks, Chris. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court and big shouts to Christian for joining in. We appreciate you. Let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court and share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. I'd greatly appreciate it. Be on the lookout for episode one, three, six. Combo out.